Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is supported by Patrons. You can find a full list of them in the description of this episode. Good morning, my listeners. This is Victor Doctor from Good Morning DSS World, and I am bringing you another episode, which is a result of the Las Vegas meeting about the CX, so customer experience area. My guest today is Anne Bib. Hi, Anne. Hi, how are you? So good to be here. I am very, very well, and I'm so happy that I see you now, although there is an uh, Atlantic Ocean, which is somewhere in between us. That's the reality. It is. Uh, but you know what? The beauty of the technology today is it kind of brings us together and it somewhat makes it feel like that Atlantic Ocean is a, is a lot smaller. Yeah, that, that's true. So now we are even faster than a plane which go, passes it by. Yeah. <laughs> like Superman. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's, that's, how it, that's how it works. Anne, uh, we are on a podcast. People know who I am, but they don't know you yet, at least in this podcast. So maybe let them know you a little bit better. If you could just introduce yourself. Absolutely. Uh, my name is Anne Bibb. I am the founder and CEO of a consulting and advisory firm called Remote Evolution. We started a few years ago to help organizations with remote change management, helping to expand geographically to different countries. Uh, we do a lot of CX and EX consulting. Uh, helping to find gaps in those areas. And um, we've been around and helped organizations move into more than 20 countries, helped create more than 10,000 jobs. And uh, we'd like to partner with uh, nonprofits and different agencies to help marginalized communities when we do help move into those different countries. Perfect. So now when we know a little bit more about you, and actually your area is like, very accurate to this what is happening all around the world nowadays the pandemics the remote work hybrid work you know all of this stuff and those relations customer uh, relations with employees with employers with people with clients and so on and so on and i must say i enjoyed a lot your presentation which you uh, were presenting in las vegas then when i came back home i went through that even deeper and there are a couple of things which I need you to answer me. Okay. Sure. Happy to that. Okay. Happy to help. What questions do you have for me? So the first one is employee engagement is not employee experience. What do you mean by that? Well, employee engagement is really the act of engaging, right? That is the act of trying to ensure that we are pulling people in, making sure that we are, uh, it, think about the word itself, right? Engaging our, an experience, employee experience, it is the whole experience, the holistic experience from the moment that we start talking to 
an employee from the moment that they're a lead to that candidate experience, uh, all the way through the interview process, all the way through the talent acquisition, the hiring, the training, uh, coming through and actually working the entire employee experience is the holistic employee experience of the organization. So whenever you think about employee engagement, that is think about gamification, think about keeping them engaged, think about keeping them active and making sure that they are uh, working with you and not disengaged. Um, if somebody like say all of a sudden you've been working, Victor's been working and I've seen him every day. He's very active in the chat room. Um, and then all of a sudden he's not there. Um, I see him online. I know he's working, but for some reason he's no longer as responsive in the chat room and he's no longer answering people's questions. Um, I noticed that he's disengaged. So how do I engage him to bring him back into the fold? That's employee engagement. Employee experience is making sure that everybody has a positive experience from the moment that they are coming into contact with your organization. That is completely different. Can we somehow measure this employee engagement? Measuring employee engagement is incredibly difficult. And it is, you know, when you're looking at, it's like trying to measure happiness, right? Um, you're better to measure things like performance and other KPIs based on what you're seeing in other areas. So for instance, if you're seeing more engagement, you're likely to see in, an increase in performance. So that's where you're likely to see more of a of an impact in measurement of KPIs. And do you think that this has somehow changed during the last two years? Because I can imagine that previously before the pandemics, we were used to see people in our offices to visually notice how do they behave, what do they do, if they are engaged or disengaged and so on and so on. And then people went home. They started to work remotely. Has anything changed when it comes to this, let's say, visual part of employee engagement? The visual part of employee engagement. So the biggest difference over the last two years is that the last two years for so many people hasn't been what you would call working from home or working remotely, right? Um, it's been working remotely during a pandemic or working from home during a pandemic or working remotely through a crisis. And many of those individuals would not have chosen to work remotely or work at home. Many of them, if they had been looking for a job during that time, would not have applied or looked for that position. They weren't trained for that to work remotely. And that's very difficult, but even more so, and this is where it gets really, really important. 
the leadership was not trained how to manage and lead remotely. And therefore, the actual frontline employees suffered more so during the pandemic because leadership wasn't aware they didn't know how to identify those key markers of how to identify disengaged or struggling employees from a mental health perspective, how to identify burnout before it started to happen, how to identify overwork. They just continued to push for higher productivity because when you're working remotely, you're more focused and you're able to get more done so they're seeing all of the positives and pushing for more, 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 not realizing that they're doing harm instead of good. I am so much happy that you mentioned that because I am saying that since ever that we, before the pandemic as managers were absolutely not ready for managing remote teams. Mm -hmm. And this is something what this ha had to happen actually to prove that we need to focus on completely different skills than we thought we have. And, and, then, and then we have the reality, which is now, but are leaders now prepared to better, yeah. let's say, manage the remote teams? No, and, and let me be very straight. I am a remote advocate, right? Remote hybrid. I've been working remotely for more than 20 years. I mean, people are shocked whenever I say that I've been working remotely since the mid-90s. <laughs> I have, you know, I have kids in their 20s and 30s, uh, but, and people are shocked when I tell them that. The, but the reality of it is, even though we threw the leaders in, we still haven't trained them. We still haven't trained them. So to sit here and say they're ready now, no, they're not ready because they've learned bad habits. They've learned bad habits throughout this time. Somebody needs to take these leaders and teach them. And you know what, if you don't know, bring somebody in, please. There's so many of us raising our hands and saying, please hire us, bring us in, let us help you. Because there are so many leadership development people that have been around and have been doing this for so long. We can help you. We can teach you how to work asynchronously and synchronously. We can show you how to manage your time. We can show you how to identify where it is from a pre-burnout strategy, how to engage your employees remotely, how to even, for goodness sake, how to do team wellness engagement um, sessions, how to do town halls, how to, um, how to even have an event remotely that is actually fun and engaging. So many people were doing coffee chats and um, after hour get togethers and thinking that that's all they needed to do, that that was engagement. That's not engagement. That's just, you know, drinks after work on a Zoom. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's not the same thing. So you need to 
lose all of these bad habits and retrain yourself on how to lead remotely from a good perspective. And then don't forget about getting getting together. Now, now we can get together in person. There's a value in that. You and I just actually got together recently at a conference. And that FaceTime that you and I had was just beyond valuable. And what we were able to accomplish, just I think we sat next to each other. Yes. Got to, you know, got to know each other a little bit better, not to mention everybody that we got to catch up with that we hadn't seen in since 2019. And just that FaceTime is more valuable than people put, give credit for. So we have to budget for that. We have to budget to get together at least once a year from an organizational perspective. So don't forget about that. Tough question about happiness. Are we more happy working in the office or working remotely? That's an individual question. That's not a, that is a, first of all, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> I, as an individual, am more happy working remote, remote, remotely because I, as an individual, lose productivity time traveling to an office, getting set up in the office, then walking around, going to the bathroom, going to... I get caught at the coffee area, somebody talks, somebody walks into my office and wants to talk. It's not the same thing. I'm much more productive. I have much more time. I'm much more focused working remotely. That's not everybody. I know an individual who is much happier working in an office and they use the time going to the office to meditate, to think, to get their mind clear. They are much more focused in an office because their home is their home. Even though they have an office at home, that's their home. The office is for work. So that question is not a universally answered one way question. It's not black or white. It, just like remote first, office, hybrid, that is not a universally answered question. When the pandemic happened and all of these organizations came out and said, we're going remote first. I wanted to bang my head against a wall when so many people were coming out and saying, it's only remote, just go remote. You know what? Every organization has to make that decision for themselves. Um, I always recommend bringing somebody from the outside in, in order to make, to have that third party view, right? to have a view from the outside, to look at the whole picture, because there are things that you can't see. There are things you can't see because you're so in the forest, you can't see the trees. You need someone to come in and get the big picture and help you see what really is the best decision for your organization. What is most fiscally responsible? What is most responsible for you to help your organization, your employees? What do your employees really truly want? Do they want to work in the office? Do they want to go hybrid? Do they want to move away from wherever city you are in 
and want to work remotely? Do they want to be able to work from anywhere and be able to travel? And then you, from a business perspective, have to make the decision that is right for both your employees and your business. And the decision that you make is not going to be the same decision that Fred makes and that Sally makes. I am the second type of person. I do like working in my office, but I can see here um, combination. Yeah. So the pro this what you mentioned. The productivity makes us to feel better or worse. Yeah. So if I feel that I am productive in my office, then I feel happier in here. But I am a little bit different happy when I am back home. Yeah. Because then I don't yeah. think about work at all, but rather about my family things and so on. And the only reason that I'm productive, so I find myself as more of a hybrid. I am more productive at home than I am traveling to an office every day, but only because I travel to client sites regularly. And so I'm able to get out, right? If I were here, like during the pandemic, I nearly went nuts. Because again, that was working at home during a pandemic. No so choice. even though I have been working at home, for more than 20 years, I struggled, as did so many other people, because I couldn't leave the house. I couldn't go and do the things I normally did on a regular basis, just going to the grocery store, going to the gym, going and doing other things. It wasn't the same. So, so many people who had always worked remotely struggled. It was very different. So that's, you, you have to take that into consideration when you're making these decisions as an organization. Very much true. Very much true. And people like talking talks about money and about the return of investment. And mm -hmm. in your presentation, there was also a part which was called the ROI of investing in employee experience. Mm -hmm. Let's focus on that. Yes. So really what's interesting is whenever we look at um, companies that invest in employee experience and again not employee engagement right companies that invest in employee experience those companies actually uh they turn around they end up having more profit by employee end up having more revenue per employee they end up uh, growing faster. So let's say that your average company is like one time companies that don't invest in employee experience. That's, that's a, your average one, right? Companies that do invest, they have happier employees. They have larger talent pipelines. They have, um, four times more profit per employee. So greater profitability, right? Um, they are, uh, the revenue per employee is about 2.8. And that's because people, people want to come work there, right? So they're referring people. They have a larger talent pipeline. The average profit of these organizations is 4.2 times more than the company that doesn't. Oh. Another thing that is more about these organizations is they actually pay more. It's about 1.5 times more. Again, they're putting something into employee experience, right? So they're taking care of their employees. If you take care of your employees, 
your employees are going to take care of you. They're going to put more in. They're going to take care of your customers. Your customers are going to talk about you. They're going to refer customers. That domino is happening. That domino effect is happening in a good way. So both your employees are referring and bringing good people in. They're taking care of your customers. Your customers are talking about you in a good way and your customers are referring. So the profitability, that's four times more. That's amazing. Huge. It's huge. I mean, when you think about even, you know, a $1 million company going to $4 million, that's, that's amazing. Can we share some examples of how to invest in employee experience? Absolutely. So a few ways to do that. Again, making sure that you're paying your employees correctly, right? Um, let's take Texas, for instance. Texas has uh, is one of the states that still utilizes, um, and I realize that this is a global podcast, but I'm going to use Texas in the United sure, States sure. as an example, right? Texas in the United States uh, is one of the states that still utilizes a minimum federal pay, which means minimum federal pay is $7.25 an hour. So as an absolute minimum, and do you, you would be surprised at how many companies actually pay $7.25 an hour. That is below poverty pay. People absolutely cannot live on $7.25 an hour. There are many states in the United States that have instituted from a state perspective, a minimum pay of $15 an hour. That's doubled. Exactly. And that's minimum. So to say that that's minimum, as an organization, when you look at the statistics here and you say that companies that invest in employee experience are paying 1.5 times, if the company, if the state minimum is 15 and the company is putting in 1.5, that's, I mean, $15, that's $30,000 a year. And all of a sudden they're going to $45,000 a year. Those employees are going to be wanting to go work at an organization that is going to pay $45,000 a year instead of $30,000. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And think about that $7.25. That's barely $14,000 a year or just over $14,000 a year. So $14,000 what, $14,500 a year versus $45,000 a year? Triple. I don't know about you, <laughs> but I know where I'm going. So 
that's a huge factor. And then start thinking about what is the experience like whenever you're even hiring people? Is it easy for them? Did you make them go through 10 interviews? I can't even tell you how many times I'm seeing people, I just passed the fourth round and I'm going into the, I got passed through to the fifth round. Oh, honey, child, <laughs> why are you still going? <laughs> that right there is gonna tell you how difficult it's gonna be to work for this company. I had a friend recently who went to an interview had the interview, was hired on the spot, and was so happy. I I can almost put money down that this she's going to be with this company forever. She was so happy, so excited. She has since started at that organization. Day one was so seamless. Her onboarding experience was so easy. Her training was very nice because they had it very organized and structured and laid out. She knew who she was going to meet with. Everybody had a plan. The employee experience was wonderful and easy and structured and had a purpose. She didn't have to figure out anything. She knew where to go and what to do. And everybody was helpful. When she actually started her job on day one, she knew what her job was. She knew what to do. What a concept. People are, I'm amazed how many times I go into an organization and the job description that somebody was hired for doesn't match the job. It's absolutely astounding to me. How many times this happens? Do so, you know? Do you know in which industry is this happy employee? Uh, this happy employee is actually in the nonprofit industry. Wow! I know. That's interesting, but it 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 means that the more transparent you are on every stage with your relation with your future employee, the better experience this employee is getting from day one. One hundred percent. People want to know. They don't want to be in the they don't want to be in the dark, right? They want to know what their value is, what their impact is going to be. They want to have a clear understanding of the company's purpose. Um, they want to understand, you know, how they are impacting the company's purpose, people want to know. And if you're not sharing that with them, then that trickle, if that trickle down is not happening, that's going to impact your employee experience. So the more we show, the better. And having said that, again, in your presentation, you have some very interesting guidelines which is actually building employee experience strategy, 10 steps to follow. So if we are now talking about this transparency and this good example of your friend, maybe let's go through those 10 steps. Absolutely. So 
the first thing that you really want to do is understand, um, well, first of all, define your focus, right? You want to understand your um, the full employee life cycle. Um, and then uh, I would say form a cross-functional team across the different departments that are going to be impacting those particular teams that, who are going to come into contact with the employee during the different stages of that life cycle. You're going to complete an employee journey map um, based on specific employee personas that are you're going to be working with. Um, and you're going to test different solutions based on the life cycle. And then as you are doing that customer journey or that employee journey map, <laughs> I do customer journey maps too. Um, <laughs> somehow it matches. Somehow it matches. Somehow matches, right? Um, but during that employee journey mapping session, you you figure out gaps throughout the employee life cycle. You come up, you test solutions, and then you solve for those challenges um, because you've had to define those main challenges. Essentially, what you're trying to do is eventually design your desired employee experience, right? And you are continuously improving your solutions, you're implementing new concepts, and you're learning what does or doesn't work. So you're going through all of these stages from beginning to end. But the important thing is that no matter what you are doing, it never ends. And I think that that's one of the things that a lot of teams forget is they do this employee journey map. Um, and then they think it's done. Okay, we did it. It's done. We found our gap. We fixed it. I just wrote an article and I put it out yesterday on uh, EX and CX. And I think the one of the things that, especially as, as organizations are going from startup to mid-market, it is imperative to realize that what got you from early stage startup to end stage startup where you're about to make that jump into mid-market, what got you here is not going to get you through mid-market. You have to be willing to change. You have to relook at your processes, your procedures, your policies, not just in your customer journey, but also your employee experience. It is imperative because everything changes about the game when you move down that road. Even your customer success, everything changes. And if you do not pivot to make everything change, then you're not going to move into the next market you're going to be a 30-year-old startup. You're going to stay in the startup category. And it's important to recognize this and make these changes. Employee experience, that journey map, it needs to be reevaluated every year, sometimes every six months, because depending on how quickly you're growing, if you're in hyper growth, 
your talent acquisition, your HR team needs to be constantly looking at this because depending on what you're doing and you need to be looking at your personas, right? Just like your customer types, your personas are going to have a different experience. A C-suite person is going to have a different experience than a customer success manager. A customer success manager is going to have a different experience than a, a technical frontline call center agent. You cannot have one employee experience strategy. You have to look at all of the different personas and see how that employee experience strategy is being impacted. So this is continuous improvement, to be honest. The last point matches with point number one, and we continue back it and forward. It is a continuous life cycle. Okay. The last but not least. To build our experience with other people, with other organizations, it is usually based on some kind of communication things. Yeah, So we do talk to each other. We need to understand people or companies or larger groups and so on and so on. What are the five biggest challenges of internal communications? Oh, this is this is a big one. <laughs> the last but not least. It, yes, exactly. And see, the thing is, is that what I find interesting, and I'm I'm interested if you've seen this as well, because you've worked for different size organizations. These issues happen no matter what size the organization. It just it doesn't matter if it's an enterprise, a mid-market, or a startup. So Number one, it is imperative to make sure that you are utilizing the right style of communication. Um, if you are always talking formally, that is not going to hit with the majority of your, of your team. Um, most of the time, loosen up, right? Like, just be a little bit more informal. It helps you to connect more effectively, especially with your team, right? I mean, this is, you're not talking about your clients. You're talking about your people, your people. If you want them to follow you, if you want them to connect with you, then talk to them like they're humans, like they're people. They are, my gosh, they're humans, they're people. Talk to them like they are chill, <laughs> calm down, be a little bit more informal. Reevaluate the type of communication that you are communicating with your people. Um, also, two-way communication is necessary. So it needs to go both up and down. Um, employee input and feedback. I was recently talking to a CEO who was letting me know that an ENPS um, his last couple of ENPS surveys had come back and um, they had let them, they had let him know, or they had let his team know that um, they didn't appreciate the way that he was communicating. He was very formal, right? He was not informal. He was very stiff. Um, and he was also not very transparent. It was just like, this is, this is the way it is. Um, 
and they, they, they also didn't feel like he was very honest and truthful in his communication, probably because he was so stiff, right? Um, so when I asked him what he had done with that feedback, he said, nothing. They're just whining. They, they, just, they just don't like me. And I'm like, okay, you're getting feedback. You've already gotten your employee input. So if you're not going to listen to the employee input and act on it, that alone is a problem. So it has to be two-way. And when you get the input and the feedback, then act on it. That's part of engagement is communication. So it has to go both ways. Um, also, make sure all your leaders are communicating. It can't just be coming from the CEO. It can't not be coming from the CEO. It can't just be coming from HR. You know, it, it has to be all leaders actively communicating in the organization. And it's imperative. I can't, I can't emphasize this enough. If you have women leaders, if you have people of color, if you have people of different religions, if you have people of different types that are in your leadership, have all of your leaders participate in communication. Let them be visible. Let everybody in your organization know what type of organization you have. It is so important for your people to know what is possible. If you have only white men communicating to your organization, and yet you have women, people of color, you know, LGBTQ that are in your leadership and they're not communicating, your, your people are going to think you're hiding them. So it's imperative that all leaders are actively participating in the communication of your organization. Multiple platforms must be utilized because your team, they're working for you. They're busy. They are always going to be doing their job. So it's important that you are making sure that the communication is getting out on your internet. It is important that you are sending your newsletter out in email. Uh, it is important that you are utilizing every form. If you have a, a group chat channel, post that out there. Also use video. Video is the way right now. If you don't have some sort of video channel, make sure you're using that and have some sort of last but not least, to, to quote Victor here, um, last but not least, have a strategy. Um, a lack of strategy is what causes this all to go south. Um, make sure that everybody knows who's in charge of communication. Make sure everyone knows. Um, and, and to give an example, I was working with a team one time where there wasn't a strategy and therefore 
everybody was trying to share messages, but they weren't sharing the same message or it was just slightly off. So it felt like the telephone game and therefore the frontline team was getting completely confused. Once a strategy was developed and put in place and an easy way to do this is to put either a um, like a racy um, for communication in, in place or some some other form like that as to who is responsible for each type of communication, who's accountable, um, and make sure that everybody knows so that, you know, if Victor's responsible for getting this out, this type of communication out, then I know I don't need to do it, but he knows he needs to copy me. So I know that it went. Um, but if this, you know, type B is the one that I'm responsible for getting it out, but I know that I need to copy the entire C-suite, then I'm responsible for that. And if they don't see that I sent it out, well, that's on me and I will be held accountable for it. So it's important to know who's responsible and accountable for communication, whether it's internal marketing team, talent team, operations, make sure that this is a clear and sustainable communica communication strategy and that there is accountability behind it. Which of those five do you think happens the most often? We, you, you were saying about style, two-way communication, leader, multiple platform, and, and this lack of, of strategy. I have my favorite one, but I will let you first, first say your choice. Which one happens the most often or happens the least often? The most often. Number four, multiple no. platforms is the one that happens most often. And I think that actually this is number two, which is two-way communication. Okay. That's my feeling. I'm, I'm not saying I am right because, of course, this is a subjective point of you view. But, but this example which you were that. using, this example which you gave about this, let's say, tough manager who just even had a feedback from his team and did nothing about that. I know many of such examples. Mm -hmm. So companies are running surveys, they are getting some feedbacks, they are having those 360 programs and all the other stuff, and they do nothing, absolutely nothing about that. So I may be wrong, I would love to be wrong, but I no, think that this I, is happening. I think it could be either four or two. I, 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 have, a, I have a hankering that you're right, that it may be two. Okay. But I, I also have a feeling that five... The lack of strategy is the one that is least done. Yeah, to be honest, strategy is a big word. Yeah, and and mm -hmm. the question is what people do understand by strategy, by talking about strategy. Are those just simple rules to follow? Is it something what is a little bit longer? It is. Is it something what is being like transparently de uh, designed and somewhere shown in the office and presented to employees, or just hidden in the desk of a senior management? This is yeah. a tough question. It and is a tough question. This is a love. Uh, this is a great talk, which which I am enjoying a lot. But the clock is ticking, and I'm uh, I'm worrying that we need to go to the end. But before we say the end, and we will put the full stop, can you share with us where to find you? Because I am more than sure that people would be interested in getting more deeper in all of this what we were saying, and in this area of employee experience and employee engagement. So if you were to present some guidelines where to go and search for Unbeep, what would they be? Absolutely. I'm going to give you two different locations. One, 
Um, I am involved in a lot of speaking engagements. I do a lot of podcasts and webinars. And if anyone would like to contact me for that, they can go to annbib.com. That's A-N-N-E-B-I-B-B.com. Alternatively, you can always reach me on LinkedIn. Again, that is A-N-N-E-B-I-B-B. So I will make sure to leave the links to this, what you mentioned just a, a second ago, to the description of this episode of my podcast, so people will have an easier track to follow you. Perfect. And then uh, last but not least, if anyone needs consulting, my organization is remoteevolution.com. And the remote needs evolution. That's yes, it does. And it's been evolving. You know, it's funny, Victor, somebody told me once I should have named my organization remote revolution, because it was uh, during the pandemic. And I said, No, because while there is a remote revolution during the pandemic, it is always evolving, and it will always evolve. So as we mentioned a few sentences ago, this is a life cycle. 100%. Thank you very much for today. Thank you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.